0: This morning as we are in Acts again there are some themes that I've wanted to develop and we've had a lot of different things to talk about. One of which has to do with who God uses and how scripture is being fulfilled. So one person whose name comes up a lot both here and also in first corinthians so there's a connection and that's apollos so let's read acts 18:24. now a jew named apollos an alexandrian by birth an eloquent man came to ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures this man had been instructed in the way of the lord being fervent in spirit he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of john now i make a statement in on the slide here luke portrays apollos favorably now why would i say that and is that correct Well let's look at some of the words used here. Um, Hopefully I could find those. I looked them up yesterday. Aquila, Priscilla. Here I'll just look up what I have. I have the Greek here. Some of these words such as eloquent. Eloquent is A word that's not often used. Why don't I have that in my slide here? Eloquent is a word that's not used that often. Uh, hold on a second, I've I got to find a printout. Here it is Apollo's material, powerful, accurately, and so on. I have a lot of material, but I have a lack of organization. But you already knew that. Apollos material. So some of the words that are used of Apollos have to do with portraying him as someone who knew the Lord, who spoke fluently, and this word mighty in the scriptures is very interesting and important, powerful or mighty. I mentioned this before, that some of the terms that Luke uses are ones that are used only in Luke Acts, or they're very rare. Sometimes you'll find a hop which is once and never again. So Luke himself was very uh, skilled in the greek language and was very skilled in the alexandrian version of greek which was a center of learning so let's look at some of the terms where this mighty is used as uh, here in the scriptures mighty in the scriptures one of which is luke 149 and it's used as a term for god Luke 149, it says this, For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now, could someone look up that context? Luke 149, I think it'll help tie some of this material together.
1: Luke 149?
0: Yes. Look at the context, who said it?
1: For he who is mighty has done great things for me,
0: and holy is his name. Who was it that said that in the context? Mary. Mary. This is something that we've been looking at, and as I've been reading Luke Acts and searching for terms, I believe it's correct to say that Joel 2.28 is shown by Luke to be fulfilled all through Luke Acts. So, uh, Brian, you were looking at Joel 2.28, is that correct? Yeah, yes. It's cited in Acts 2.
2: That would be, it will come about after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions
0: okay so your sons and daughters will prophesy now why would Joel be cited by Luke at the day of Pentecost and who was it that spoke for God who the Holy Spirit came upon different people in Luke Acts and when they spoke they spoke about the coming of messianic salvation who were some of the people who did so always read luke acts as a two-volume work yeah zacharias simeon Simeon. anna mary and then as i mentioned in uh, the prodigal son and elsewhere as you look at the parables that are given in Luke during the travel narrative and elsewhere, there'll be a parable where a man loses something, like a sheep, or a woman. They're couplets. Okay, a woman loses a coin, a man had lost a sheep, and then a father lo- loses two sons. That's Luke 15. You go through Luke and you see that again and again. Then when you get to Acts, various people prophesy and speak now this isn't to say everyone's a prophet but it means that Joel 2.28 is being fulfilled this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, Peter said that your sons and daughters are prophesy your old men, your young. Meaning, not that everybody's a prophecy or prophet, but that when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, unexpected people are going to be used by God. And rather than reading our ideas into the Scripture, what we need to do is understand what God said and what we should learn from it so how do we know well we know that Luke spoke for God because he is the Holy Spirit inspired author of Scripture so later as we uh, I think uh, Brian and I were talking about Philip had daughters who were called prophetesses but it's not really what it says in the Greek do you have that material Acts 21 9 okay Acts 21 9 Someone, let's all turn to that Here, I think I got it. <clears throat> okay, here it is, Acts twenty one nine. This man, Philip, the evangelist had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And they were staying there many days. And a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And this was where the incident happened where Paul was going to go to Jerusalem, and Agabus is very demonstrative. So there was the four daughters, and here is Agabus. So you see the sons and daughters throughout Luke Acts. And this is just me reading Luke, Acts, but I think it, it stands the test of uh, reading carefully. So, throughout Luke, Acts, you have couplets of men and women, old and young, prophesying. So, if someone wants to test this, because prophecy needs to be judged, judged I believe that prophecy is speaking out our understanding based on scripture of what God said and that can be judged because it's objective right so the intent I think is that Joel 2.28 isn't only fulfilled at Pentecost it's previewed in Luke it's previewed by who God uses and that the Holy Spirit comes upon someone here's a way to understand Luke X if Luke says the Holy Spirit came upon Simeon Mary Zacharias Anna whoever then what they say Luke is telling us we should pay attention to because it's from God and when you look at these examples the thing that helps us understand the theme is what actually comes out of their mouth. And what they say throughout Luke Acts, if we have the data has to do with messianic salvation through Christ. So Simeon that would be Luke 1 Someone look up Simeon, and I'll I'll continue with Apollos. Here's how you know who God is going to use and we should listen to. How Luke describes him. What, What do we hear about Apollos? He's eloquent, mighty in the scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit, speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus and the deficiency he didn't understand baptism as it is under the new covenant which is baptism um, in the name of Christ or baptized buried in water as ordained by Christ and he was willing to learn that the next group that we run into are people who only knew about John the Baptist. That'll be in early in uh, Acts 19. They didn't even understand there was a Holy Spirit. So, why is that a deficiency? Because the theme of Luke Acts is grounded in the Holy Spirit coming upon people and indicating that Jesus is the true Messiah. And speaking accurately about the person of Christ. And one more thing I I must add. The Bereans were willing to search the scripture. And so those who are hungry to learn the truth. Are the ones that Luke tells us God is using. And the gift. And I've said this many times. If you are welcoming the truth, that is a tremendous thing. Luke uses several different words for welcome. The term dekomai, with various prefixes or without prefix, they welcome the ones that God sends, they welcome, in Thessalonians, that's a different passage, the love of the truth, they welcome God's messengers, people in Luke welcome Jesus, even the uh, the tax gatherer that everybody hated, Zacchaeus. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is this. If God spoke the truth through his true prophets, the biblical ones, and it says something that I don't like because it doesn't fit with my religious traditions, am I someone who would welcome that truth and see if it really is biblical or will I get angry and say no I will not listen to you and here's why I don't listen to you because you're not telling me what I wanted to hear according to my parochial interest and any cursory reading of church history or even just religious history but church history in particular will tell us that the reason people refuse to hear what God said is because it doesn't fit with what they'd heard from their religious traditions. Be they Christian ones, Muslim ones, Catholic ones, Greek Orthodox ones, Reformed ones, Wesleyan ones, anybody's tradition has to be able to be tested by scripture. And Whoever has the best understanding is the one that we need to listen to. Yes.
1: Well, I I think that's why GGF Church, this fellowship here, is such an important one. Because I think that we are Bereans. I think we really, I look around this room and I see people just dug into the Word of God, taking notes and taking very seriously the Scriptures. And, um, you know, we might not all agree on everything, but I think that we search the scriptures and really look for what's true, and we don't get offended, we don't get angry, and we don't, you know, beat up on those who disagree with us, but we, we definitely, you know, look at what's in the scriptures and, and uh, care about it. And I think that's why, you know, we love this church, because we, we do that. I, I believe we are brands.
0: Thank you for your kindness. Let me tell you why this was important uh, years ago to me, personally there were people who would say they got a dream they got a vision they're a prophet they spoke for God and then if you don't listen to them then you're anathema and the only thing we have that saves believers from the abuse of badly motivated religious leaders is our ability to study and read and understand the scripture and ask questions and who what did God actually say what is the whole counsel of God we're starting a series for critical issues right now on the authority of scripture which we've already done but the priesthood of every believer Luther saw that as essential if we're going to have a reformation because rome said we have our priests they speak for god and if you don't listen to them then you're going to pay the consequence and sometimes it was even death and so we're doing a series on that we we did a recording yesterday so what is the priesthood of every believer if you know jesus christ as lord and savior you're born of the spirit you have eternal life and the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures people say they believe that Are the, is, is the Bible, It's God breathed as the Bible says about itself, is there external evidence that what it says here is true can you go to the places that the Bible describes anybody here been to the planet that the Mormons talk about well, I heard there was a 90-year-old who went up into space. Mostly, uh, that was no, a Star Trek guy. Uh, Laverne. So uh, there, there's, whole, there's a whole book of Mormon that you can't go to any of the places they describe because they don't exist. It's fantasy. Yes, go ahead.
3: Actually, I wanted to make a comment on something you said earlier this sure, morning. Sure, please do. You made a comment about the tripling effect of parables. Or how they, a doubling effect or something? Oh, the, uh,
0: yeah, The Bailey saw that, that there'd be a parable that would be, uh, for example, the shepherd lost one sheep and went and found it. Mm-hmm. Then the woman lost a coin yes. and found it. And then there was a the father, which represents God in Christ saving sinners. And Bailey noticed that there, there's these couplets. And I don't know if that is... More grounded in Joel 2:28, but if you go earlier, as we saw, the Holy Spirit came upon old men, young men, women, and they prophesied. That doesn't mean everybody just prophesied. We got to listen to them. But when they did prophesy, and this includes the parables, they're pointing to Jesus Christ and who He is and what He did and why we need to believe in Him. Yes, go ahead.
3: Well. Before that parable was spoken, it is in the singular. So that's I wanted to make that point. Jesus said, here is a parable, and it's told in three parts. Because as you read each one about the shepherd and the sheep, mm-hmm. and then the woman and the coin, it says and he went on to say, so it is one because it says singular, one parable told in three parts. And and the reason that I think that's significant is because in the first parable where the shepherd is going after the sheep that is the lord jesus and going after you know he's using the shepherd and he said i am the shepherd the good shepherd Mm -hmm. in the second parable we have the woman looking for a lois a lost coin and the the tense that's used there is neuter which is often referred to the holy spirit so we can say in the second parable, I mean the second phase of the one parable, it is the woman uh, used in the neuter um, tense for the spirit looking for her coin. And then hmm. in the third, we have the lost son who came to his own senses and came back to the father. And so the significance of seeing those three Parables in one is what I know when I came to this church, I'd never heard of the effectual versus the universal call, but there it is.
0: Because I think
3: scripture explains scripture better than anything else. That's
0: true. It's both. Let's (laughs) go back to let's talk about the parable. That's a good point. Let's look, let's talk about the. I did preach on that. In fact, if I need, uh, if anybody can help me understand how to lay out PowerPoints better. I would love to be more visual. Let's turn to that, okay? Because we showed it in Sunday school. Parable of the lost sheep. Acts, excuse me, Luke 15, 1. What's the point? How do you find out the point? Why did Jesus tell any of these parables? I've got to figure out a way to just throw things up here. I'll try it at home sometime. Luke 15.1 all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him listen I think that word listen is usually a kuo cool. now it can't just mean hearing anything but Luke uses listen to mean pay attention to and What caused the offense was the fact that the people who did come to listen weren't approved. They were sinners. And so the Pharisees, Pharisee means separate. If you're a holy man, you don't allow a sinner to approach. And if this is the Jewish Messiah, why would sinners come and listen to him? So there must be something wrong with him. The tax collectors were tax farmers, and they would, they would collect more than they should because they made more money that way. It's like taking your car in because you're low on antifreeze, and they tell you you need an engine rebuild because the antifreeze is leaking, which it really isn't. So your $5 a antifreeze will cost you 3000 if you listen to them. That's a car repair farmer. A tax farmer says, well, you owe all this money because I get a cut of it. So they hated these people. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. The Greek word uh, has to do with gangudzo, which means grumbling, which is an allusion to the wilderness wanderers who grumbled when God gave them bread from heaven. And they grumbled against Moses. So Jesus earlier in Luke, we find is the one who's the new Moses and Elijah. He's the prophet who speaks for God. Moses said, listen to him. I mean, Moses said in Deuteronomy 18, 15, listen to him. So here, they're listening to Jesus, but they're sinners. They're wicked. There was a lady that came in at an important banquet and wept on Jesus' feet, and they were thinking... What kind of a Messiah would allow a wicked person to behave this way? They won't receive forgiveness of sins and salvation if it comes from this guy, Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God. So um, they listened to him, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled. This man welcomes... How did I not get my Greek Bible into my... Uh, it, sometimes it means to receive and, and there are variations sometimes it 's a part of the word Tecomai. He welcomes sinners and eats with them so as as we saw in the parables, in the honor shame world of the first century, someone comes to your home and you say to them, We are honored by your presence, please' eat with us and so here comes people that they would never associate with evil people, defiled people unclean people and you welcome them into your home and you eat with them this can't be the Messiah what's the big point? Jesus bore all the dishonor the, the worst horrible dishonor that anybody ever had so that all of us who are all dishonorable could find honor that we never ever deserve and the final version of that or the ultimate version of it will be in the new Jerusalem but in heaven there's going to be a banquet of saved sinners yes So thank you for pointing that out. Though it's not that the universal call isn't true, but the people that come they didn't like, and it was God that brought them. So,
1: if I'm not mistaken, the Pharisees and the Jews were looking for a political Messiah, correct?
0: Well, right, because they they're in their belief, which ultimately will be a deception of antichrist. But the the thing that caused them dishonor was being subjugated by the pagan Romans okay and there are two as you read all of the Old Testament it does talk about a conquering king who will destroy the enemies of Israel and it does talk about a suffering Messiah so there's a lot of false uh, there were false Messiahs, Antiochus Epiphanes is like a preview of Antichrist What am I doing here? So, I'm yeah, organized. That doesn't go with me. Um, so that's a good point. So why were they deceived? Because they it's human nature, if you're a fallen sinner, you want the honor and the glory and the power and the victory. but do we want our king to be dishonored by Jewish leadership? Roman leadership and everybody involved, who wants that? We would rather have victory. But that's what is the setup for Antichrist, yes.
2: That was a great point you made, putting those into a trilogy-type uh, uh, format there. I like that. But we shouldn't forget, Bob, the, the, um, the parables. Jesus said that these uh, the Pharisees or any non-believer, the, the parables weren't for them. They weren't understanding what is being said there. So the uh, the, the people who really were there to hear, they could understand the parables.
0: Well, they, there were times when pe- they would think, is he talking about us? That's really the Holy Spirit convicting us. And the Word of God, the power of the Word of God comes through the Scriptures, which are inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more powerful than accurately proclaiming the truth that that God gave us in Scripture, and that is what God uses to convict people. And sometimes it comes in odd forms, and providence will bring a lot of things across our path. But in the end, if we will welcome the love of the truth and confess Christ, God uses that. So the reason is so important that the word of God is taught clearly and people can interact and question, is this what God said? God uses that to sanctify us the truth is powerful now clever people can make things sound really really fun and interesting but if it isn't from God because Christ isn't confessed it may attract a big crowd but it won't save anybody and so look at this this was um, a small version of that this is amazing I think I showed this one time So this is the travel narrative. See that on the top? Eschatilotic, this is, uh, he set his face in the middle. 13, now that's broken down into a smaller one. Enter by the narrow door. Those others will be just thrust out of the kingdom. You'll see Abraham. Then there's fulfillment in the Messianic banquet. Herod wants to kill you today, tomorrow, the third day, and then it goes back the other way. It cannot be that a prophet would die away from Jerusalem. Why? Well, Luke Acts tells us about Jerusalem. So, I made printouts. Every time Jerusalem is mentioned in Luke, every time Jerusalem is mentioned in Acts. And what, and what is Luke telling us? Jerusalem has a history of rejecting the prophets that are sent to her. And the center point of that is in Luke 13. Uh, let me quote a few of these here, see what I have. So prophets are sent to Jerusalem, but she rejects them. I'll just read a few of these if you want to jot it down. I, I wish I had it quicker to get these things up. Luke 2:22. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is Jesus, virgin-born son of God. There was a man in Jerusalem, Luke 2:25, whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit is upon him. Luke 2.25, I I, I wish I could throw that up there, but I I don't have it. You can look that up. Here is something to pay attention when you're reading Luke Acts. If Luke tells us that a man's righteous, he's devout, and the Holy Spirit's upon him, and he's looking for the consolation of Israel, that's somebody you're supposed to listen to. That's not even complicated. But there are false teachers who will take something as obvious as this and turn it around, and so it says something that it doesn't. People say, no, that's just for the Jews. It's not for everybody. Well, they evidently didn't read Joel 2.28 or Luke uh, Acts where it says, this is that spoken of by the prophet Joel. Um, And then it goes on. Let me see here. Uh, Luke four nineteen. They led him to Jerusalem, and then he led him to Jerusalem. Had him stand on a pinnacle of the temple. Said, "If you're the son of God, throw yourself down." Wilderness temptation by Satan. Luke four nine. What what do we learn there? Jerusalem is the place where Satan wants Jesus to put on a mighty show, and somehow. Don't go ahead and, with this plan and make a big show out of it. And so here we have the temptations of the wilderness. What's the point? In Luke 4, every sort of temptation that Israel failed in the wilderness that are summarized, Jesus fasted for 40 days and went out into the wilderness. And what happened? He succeeded where Israel failed. They listen to the tempter. He won't. So that's Luke 4. Let me just go forward here. Luke 9.31. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. Who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure. Luke 9.31. Which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. I don't know what all I have here. but Yeah, there we go we're getting close to this. So, what's the point of Luke 9:31? Who was there? Moses and Elijah. What is the point of Luke 9:31 that Moses and Elijah are speaking of his literally exodus. So, an astute reader will see that Luke 4, excuse me, yeah, Luke 4 where he was uh, in the wilderness being tempted he succeeded where Israel failed now Moses and Elijah would be saying here is the new Moses and the new Elijah the prophet priest and king this is the one who's going to accomplish not just fail he's going to accomplish something in Jerusalem which is an exodus but Luke 9:53, right here now we're, now we're current and when the days drew near for him to be taken up in Luke Acts Jesus isn't just going up to Jerusalem he's going up to the right hand of God do you see that? he's taken up so how could you read Luke Acts and come away saying well it's not for the church it's not for us it's only for the Jews. How could you read that and say, no, don't listen to Jesus? He just gave teachings that the Jews were supposed to keep, but they didn't. So the kingdom was withdrawn, and something else happened. There are so many false teachings out there, because some people that claim to be theologians ought to be science fiction writers. <laughs> now, you can twist things around. Look at the cults in America the Jehovah Witnesses, Christian Science, Mormonism they take scripture and twist it around Mormon Tabernacle Choir, somebody said well we should get that who is the Jesus of Mormonism does anybody know yeah he's a half brother of Satan well I think I want to hear about the half brother of Satan that would make me happy but mormons don't know what mormons believe so here's how we discern if luke says the holy spirit comes on someone and they speak about the mighty deeds of god they're speaking the truth what do they speak about messianic salvation how do you discern spirits not by signs and wonders somebody's bank account the, the, their clothing their buildings their stained glass windows whatever people have do they proclaim the mighty deeds of God in Christ who came into the world to save sinners so he set his face which is an allusion to the prophets like Ezekiel and uh, I think Isaiah he sent messages ahead and he went into the Samaritans so there we have a problem the Samaritans are evil so this can't be right but they didn't receive him but later they will. He set his face toward Jerusalem. So just keep reading. Luke 13, 33, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day. This is the very center of the travel narrative, for it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. Why? Yeah. Why does it say it cannot be a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem? Well, it has happened in the past. But this is god's purpose that in the end will bring salvation the first advent is rejection yes
1: yeah i just something you said you said and this is interesting mormons get get it wrong they have a false jesus all these other cults they get it wrong they get a false jesus but you said something in the past i find interesting amazing you were at a church speaking at a different church and this church Did not like doctrine. They did not like doctrine. You were talking about this church, and you spoke there. And uh, the people, the leaders of this church came up to you after the sermon. They said, oh, well, we just want to love on Jesus. We don't want to get into doctrine. We just want to love on Jesus. And you turned to them, and you said, what Jesus are you loving on?
0: Well, they get angry. Okay, That's that's discernment. By the way, I'm not a separatist in that sense. For, the reason, for this reason, I believe the biggest mission field, one of the biggest mission fields, is Christendom. Amen. So if you say there's how many billion Christians, right. how many of those confess Christ according to the biblical pattern? How many are born of the Spirit out of so many billion? Just a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. So why shouldn't Christians hear the gospel? The worst thing they could do is never invite you back. So I'm not saying join a false church, but preach Christ. Preach Christ. So why would a prophet perish in Jerusalem? They can't believe this. It's necessary. I must journey. Why? Because he's on a journey not to save Jerusalem now. There's an until for that but he's going to ascend all the way to heaven and there's a lot of bad things that will happen but there will still be a millennium but not until later now let's go to the end of it Jesus' lament over Jerusalem now at the very beginning remember this at the very beginning Luke 9.51 he's going to Jerusalem at the middle of it a prophet cannot perish outside Jerusalem and in the end he says "Um, I must journey and then when he approached Jerusalem he saw the city and wept over it saying if you had known in this day even you the things that make for peace but now they have been hidden from your eyes what sort of hiding is that Do you have these things in a printout? I think Christy may have made a printout for you. There it is. All right. So who hid Messianic salvation from Jerusalem? It's a a passage is a divine passive God hid it from them so why yeah remember earlier I thank the Lord that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent but revealed them to babes God's purposes are being fulfilled remember in the wilderness we cited we that Satan said jump off the pinnacle of the temple the angels will catch you what was his answer thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God what happens if Jesus makes a big show jumps off the pinnacle angels catch him well here's the guy we're looking for no cross no shed blood no rejection no redemption no salvation and that's why God's purpose are being fulfilled. Yes. Jesus is approaching approaching Jerusalem.
2: He weeps for them. But it's almost ready for the triumphal entry, which is kind of odd. And then not long after, after the triumphal entry, they're screaming, free Barabbas, and let's uh, crucify him.
0: Right. So here's what's going on. Throughout the scriptures, including Luke-Acts that we're studying, there are people who are saved. There are people who believe. And that's the effectual call that, that we were talking about earlier. Right. But we don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. You don't know who they are. But when we preach the gospel, we find out who they are when they respond. And so we just preach the gospel. There are people saved throughout Luke. There are people that spoke for God, and there are people in Acts. But Jerusalem in Luke, Acts is facing destruction. And it, but that's not the end, there's a future. Now let's go to the last two verses here. I think you have that too. Now look at the lament Luke 19 43, 44. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side and they will level you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Now, visitation is, is a word that comes from a word for episcopae, Where we get the word uh, overseer, but the ultimate visitation is when God visits. What happens when God comes down and visits throughout the Bible? Not, we're not. This is uh, anthropomorphism, but we God tells us things that we can understand. Yes. uh, Some are saved,
3: some
0: are lost. Yep. It's a mishta. It's a it's a banquet. And some are saved and some are lost. Every time God visits, some are saved, some are lost. There's an article we published about that. Exactly. So uh, I've, I've got to, yes, go ahead.
3: <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I was holding the mic and waiting to ask a question, and now it eludes me, but give me a minute.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk, and it might come back to you. That happens to me. Even what I'm supposed to teach here, I don't remember what I was teaching. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's why I got to get organized. I got to figure out how to just throw stuff up there when I think of it. But that would be oh, a lot. of I got it. You got it. See, see, the roller deck still there was, works. Just it's a still quick, there.
3: a quick prayer did it. But anyway, um, you mentioned just a minute ago, or a couple of minutes ago, about how the children of Israel were blinded. They were not to see at some, because and. I'm wondering if that's because of their disbelief and they couldn't see. But what I really wanted to know is, is this also the same thing as the grand delusion that occurs in Revelation? So some people will not be able to see?
0: The grand delusion? Mm-hmm. In uh, what passage? I don't... Even the in. if that was possible. That's... Yeah,
3: but, well, that's that's all relative, but uh, there is a particular, where it talks about a grand delusion in Revelation, and I'm wondering if that's for people who would, would believe because they see all the signs, they see the angel above, they see the two witnesses in Jerusalem, they see the 144,000, yeah. and now they want to believe just to be saved, but a grand delusion is going to occur, so they cannot. Okay. the delusion,
0: let's, I'll try to simplify the answer. There are two messages um, that there's, that's existence since the Garden of Eden. And it starts in Genesis, it ends in Revelation, and it comes up again and again. Here's the two messages. The one message is called the truth. The truth is a simplified way of saying that God has spoken the truth And that salvation is found by believing him and trusting in him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So before Eve and Adam, before the fall, has God said, has God said, you shall be like God. So you can believe God, you can believe what he said, or you can listen to the tempter who says, You'll be like God. There's nothing unique about God. You don't have to listen to Him. We know what happened. The truth is, God has spoken. God cannot lie. God is the only one who will provide salvation. So in uh, John 8:44, Jesus spoke the truth, John 8:44, but they were of their Father, the devil, because they believed the lie. What's the lie? Don't listen to God. You can be like God. You can be your own savior. What's the truth? God saves in his way through the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, and so forth, all the way through, and that's Christ, through Christ. All right? So God visited Israel in the person of Christ, time of your visitation, and they wouldn't listen to it. They will not pay attention. Why? Why did his hometown reject him? Luke 4, 18. This is that spoken of the prophet, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. They didn't listen to him. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. So all through, there's rejection. But all through, there are those who do believe. Uh, Anna, Zechariah, Simeon, Mary the various people who are saved, the the, the disciples other than Judas. And this is all going somewhere. So the time of visitation is a time of sifting where some will be lost. Now, why would God hide something? I believe this is a divine passive because there's a time when many, many will be saved. God hasn't given up he's going to save his people he's going to keep his promises so Jerusalem is the center of focus in Luke Acts now let me help us Um, I'm sharing a lot of things that I've learned over 40-50 years there's this term until maybe someone can find that for me quickly until I think it's in Acts 1 yeah there's several mentions of until this also includes a triumphal entry you will not say this until you will not receive until you say blessed he comes in the name of the Lord he's rejected but there's a later time when they will yeah held in the heavens until that's in Acts Acts 1 7 let me see if I can find it so 20, until I which one was it Luke 20, Luke 20. Luke 20 verse go ahead and read it whoever has it with a mic I think so. Yeah, 2023.
2: Uh, the whole thing is the Lord, uh, David says, to, says in the book of Psalms, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Right? De- until I make yeah, your that's enemies a good, your footstool. That's a good
0: reference. It, David calls him
2: Lord, then how can the Messiah be okay, his son? Okay,
0: in, in the citation of Psalm 110, there's an Until so here is the easy version there's two advents both are complex events the first advent is announced by John the Baptist announced by angels announced the shepherds in Luke and it's the virgin birth the person and work of Christ all the things that happened that leads ultimately to the ascension. In Luke, he's going to have an exodus that's accomplished, and he's going to be sent all the way to the throne, the right hand of God. Yes, go ahead. The word "until" isn't used, but I, I think you
2: were right in your thinking of Acts one. Okay, but in one six, seven, and eight, it's- read it. Well, it's So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father is fixed by his own authority. But then it goes on, you will receive power, and then yeah. afterwards he ascended. Right.
0: So here's the point. It's not for you to know times or epochs. So a time or an epoch doesn't describe a non-event a millennial will say this will never happen it's all been done there's no future for Israel there's no eternal kingdom in that sense that's not true there's no time or epoch for a non-event furthermore the time for Jesus to defeat his enemies is future and so the offense was if you're the Messiah, when are you going to defeat our enemies? But he came to save people they didn't approve of. And that's what caused... well here I am again. That, that's what caused this whole situation. Therefore, if we get that mixed up, we'll be deceived. There are numbers of people who are deceived, uh, and we don't, we don't want to be deceived. So there's no until for a non-event. There's no fixed time for a non-event. And we, and if Jesus fulfilled his coming as a suffering servant to die for sins during the first advent, are we to believe that the, the details of the second advent, which is also a complex event, will never happen? That would be the that is a silly reading. It's it's like closing your ears, yes. And then we gotta close here.
3: Actually, the scripture I was referring to is Second Thessalonians two, nine through twelve, and that speaks of the strong delusion. That God will send in
0: Revelation. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved.
3: And that's what I was wondering. Is that the same thing that the Jews are suffering from
0: today? That's like the Bereans. There were decami, welcome, apple apodecami, and so on. Welcome. Let's just summarize this. There's no greater gift that anyone can receive from God is then a love for the truth that leads to the fact that Jesus is the the way, the truth, and the life. He's who he claims to be. He's truly the Savior. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And the dishonor of the cross offends everybody. Jew, Greek, everyone. We'll look at that in 1 Corinthians 2 next week in a sermon. God sends the Son and the way He saves offends everyone. The only one who won't be a save, offended is anyone who welcomes the truth. And how do we know the Holy Spirit's at work? It's the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Be ready to give a hope, for the, give a reason for the hope that's within you. And we were talking about Apollos now what is Luke telling us he's someone who's going to speak the truth and uh, the thing that's most uh, horrible is to be deceived and believe that the lie is the truth the lie is you can be like God you don't have to listen to God you can save yourself the truth is salvation is only found on God's terms by his means Through his Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. Let's close with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for our opportunity to open the scriptures, to search the scriptures, and learn from one another as we read together and see what you've said. And thank you, Lord, and there are so many that are hurting and suffering. May we be loving, compassionate, passionate to one another, pray for one another. And trust you in all things. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, dear saints.